You know, Brother Louis already gave you the update, so I won't have to go back through that again. But our pastor wants you to know this morning, uh, Sister Carol texted me and she wanted everybody to know that Brother Donnie sends his love. And he thanks you for all of your prayers and, and your continued prayers as well. And I want you to know, you know, all the tests have come back negative so far. I told Sister Carol, I said, I think this was a satanic hit and run. And those devils are... Those devils took off because they knew something bad was going to happen right after they did that. You know, I, I want to declare this right now before the bride of Christ this morning. There's a bounty on the head of those devils. There is no place that they can run. There's no place they can hide. One day this bride's going to stand with her foot on the neck of those very devils that come to torment us. You know, one thing you don't do is mess with a mama bear's cubs, right? Well, this bride, you don't mess with her pastor. You don't mess with the God-given ministry because this bride knows where they stand. They know the church order. They know how things are laid down and they know how it works. And we look to that with thanksgiving to God and we will not back down from any devil that's going to come and threaten us or try to bring fear on us. Never. We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth your master pay tribute? He saith, yes. Poor old Peter, he always got in trouble for saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. And when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? Poor old Peter, you know his heart sank at this moment. He's like, oh my goodness, he knows. He knows. He knows I was afraid. He knows I didn't know what to say. He knows I jumped out there and I spoke before I should have. He knows. He knows. Peter saith unto him, Of strangers. Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free? Then are the children free? Notwithstanding, Lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, and cast an hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. That take and give unto them for me and thee. Poor old Peter. Poor old Peter. I think we all know how Peter feels from time to time when we're going through something and we walk into the church service and God goes, what have you been doing? What have you been saying lately? Whose voice have you been listening to there, buddy? Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you so much.
You are a God who is mighty in battle. None can withstand you. We know that. We know that, Lord. And even though sometimes we may be shaken in our flesh, we know in our soul there is none that will overcome you. None. None can withstand you. Lord, we love you. And, we, and just as great as you are in battle, you're tender in your correction, you're tender in your instruction, you're loving, you're kind, you're mindful of everything that we're going through from the very tiniest thing to what we think may be the largest. Lord, you are in control. No matter what illusion the devil may throw up to us, no matter what kind of fear he might try to strike us down with, you are in control, Lord, and none other. We will hear the voice of none other. We will only hear you, Lord, as you speak the truth to us. Father, please have mercy on me, a man, and set me aside today and speak to your children and let them know what you want them to know this morning. Speak to them words of wisdom, of strength, of encouragement, Lord, of help and even correction if needed. But Lord, let us know the truth most of all. Help us, Lord, in this dark hour and make the light shine bright. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. You know, a few weeks ago, I, I, I walked into the house and Sister Patience was listening to that song, Fear is a Liar. I said, what is that? And I, I, I listened to it and she said, it's a song I've been listening to over and over again here lately. And uh, the words really meant something to her. And it was sort of like a, a preamble to, to what, what we've been facing. And I thought that it was very, very fitting that she would be listening to that. It's a very encouraging song because no matter what you're going through, it tells you that the the devil and everything he says to us in our darkest hour, when we're alone, when we're driving down the road or we're in our prayer closet, and he tries to come and whisper his slimy words into our ear and tries to take us down a notch, we can tell him and put him in his place and say exactly where he's at. He is a liar. In 1933, Franklin D. Roosevelt gave the inaugural address to a country of downhearted, depressed, scared Americans. They were, it was a great, horrible time of fear. It was long before I was born. I'm not talking about the politics of this, but it's where you hear that famous quote. Many of you have heard it. Maybe, maybe you know who said it. Maybe you didn't. But he said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Now, on many levels, the president was right. On many levels he was right. But there is something that escapes us sometimes in this day and hour. Brother Donnie spoke about it last night when he said that people get really nervous when they hear about a virus coming and they try to prepare. But what are they doing when they hear about a rapture coming? When, it, when he said that, it really struck me. It really struck me because I thought, you know, that's, that's the problem. And as a preacher, we really feel it. As witnesses out in the workplace in your homes and everything else, among your family members, in, in, you realize that people do not, do not have a fear of the Lord. And in an age where, where the, the lascivious grace that the denominational churches preach comes across as easy, greasy, anything goes. The fear of God is not spoken of. It's pushed into a, a side room, into a closet, in, back behind. Nobody wants to focus on having fear of the Lord. But what does it mean to have fear of the Lord? What is it that we're talking about when we say we have fear of the Lord? I'll tell you one thing. I would not want to stand before God and, and, and try to explain to Him 
from my human understanding why it was that I was so afraid of Satan and what he offered and I was not afraid of God. In Psalm 111, the scripture says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools, a fool is an unbeliever. Not just a stupid person, but an unbeliever. And to be an unbeliever, I guess you have to be a stupid person. What a perfect word. The, fools, the fool despise wisdom and instruction. That is the age that we find ourselves steeped in. That is the darkness that we find prevailing against us at all places and all times. Is, is an unbelief that is palatable. You can feel it when they just look at you. you maybe you haven't even had a conversation yet. But you have a, a godly appearance, a godly stand. And you come out into the public and you'll see somebody looking down their long pointed nose at you like there's something wrong with you. They look at you like they've stepped in something. It's sickening to me how the, the devil thinks that he has the right, <clears throat> or any of his children think that they have the right to look down to a blood-bought son or daughter of God and pronounce judgment on us as though we are, as though we are, 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 are something less than they as an unbeliever are. There used to be a time when a man of God could stand in public and he was respected. He was looked at as a man to be looked up to and to be admired. To be held up as an example before our children. And now look at what they're holding up before us and before our children. Filth. Absolute filth. And because we compromise, because we compromise sometimes. And we give in to this filth. And we get, it becomes so common to us. And we become so calloused and so, so drawn back into the ways of the world that we can become lost. And we can become fearful so easily. So easily. Proverbs 9.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the, of the holy is understanding. Yes. My goodness, what we need more than ever now is understanding. Yeah. A godly wisdom, a godly understanding. That's what we need now more than any time ever in the history of the world. We need it now. This bride is standing here as a testimony, as a witness, as a light to a dark world. That's what we are. And we need to take a hold of what we are and we need to take hold of our calling. We need to stand firm. We need to not embrace the fear of this world. It's abominable. It is abominable for us as Christians to be afraid. We are in perilous times. This nation has come to a very perilous time when all of the prophecies that have been spoken are coming to light right before our eyes. And we are seeing it. And it's shaking some people. And it's shaking some people, but it's bringing them about the wrong kind of fear. Instead of a godly fear, instead of a holy fear, instead of a, a respect for the Lord, we're looking at it and we're saying, oh my goodness, this germ might get me. This, 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 this this hypocritical leader, this, this, somebody in another country might fire a bomb at us. You know, the, the stock market might crash and then what am I going to do? All of these things, all these fears come upon us and they weigh us down and they cause such a stress. And we have such a stress upon us that we don't even look at each other as Christians and communicate the way we should. It's starting to weigh on us and it's starting to hurt our loved one for another even. We can't let this world come between us and our brothers and sisters. You know, fear is one of the strongest weapons 
of natural warfare. And you know, I think about it, the first time I saw this, it really, it really kind of perplexed me. It was during Desert Storm. They would come up and they would surround the enemy and they would play hard rock, just acid rock on these huge loudspeakers to try to demoralize and bring down and scare and put fear into the heart of the enemy. And I thought, my goodness, if it didn't make you fearful, it would at least drive you nuts in no time at all. I mean, just, you know, they come against different, they'd surround these compounds with a cult leader or something and they start blaring heavy hard rock music. It was to confuse, bewilder, diminish the mental capacity. It was to, to, make, to, to deprive them of sleep. And I mean, how many of y'all can really understand? I mean, that is one of the things that the devil does to us. He tries to bring in so much confusion, so much darkness. He tries to literally deprive us of our sleep, our rest. Not just our natural rest, but our rest in the Lord. You know, we, we come into church and, and we come here for the only peace that we may have all week other than our prayer time or our time with our families and loved ones around the dinner table. You know, we have to treasure these times. We have to treasure these moments where we come together. We have to try to, to, try to increase our time together, incre increase our fellowship with one another, our godly fellowship with one another, to fight this fear that's coming upon the people. You know, in times of war, they used to do, use propaganda. There was a lot of propaganda and a lot of terrible weapons that the enemy would use. Uh, a lot of the, the men who, who served in Vietnam know about, you know, in, in Korea and places like that, they know about the radio broadcast that, that, that they would put out, the propaganda. There would be, you know, some sweet-talking woman on there talking about how, you know, your girlfriend was at home running around on you while you were here fighting this war that you didn't even know you were there to fight. You didn't, you didn't even know why you were there and here you were sacrificing your life and she was back home running around with your best friend. They would tell you these things over the radio while you were there to defend this country. Just like the devil does. You know, these are, these are things straight from the pits of hell. This is right where it's devised. This is the very thing that Satan hates. Is a people who will stand and say, I'm not afraid, I'm not shaken by your little attacks. The one that's a, in a real panic, the one who really understands that the time is near, is Satan. And he is in a panic. And he has a different kind of a fear of the Lord. You know, the word fear that's used in fear of the Lord is translated from two Hebrew words, which I'm not going to attempt. One of them is yira. Uh, means dread, and, and, or yira means dread, and the other one means uh, frightened. And, uh, you know, this is how we are supposed to relate to God. We're supposed to have a dread and be frightened. Now you, you think, well, Brother West, that's, that's kind of contrary to what, aren't we supposed to have faith? Yes, we're supposed to have faith. But when you have a fearful respect for God, it increases His ability to work in your life. It will keep you from evil. The lukewarm, sleepy condition of this age has been brought on because people do not have a fearful respect of God. Just like Peter who was caught in this moment, they're more afraid of the people around them, they're more afraid of the people of the world and what they think. They're more afraid of what politics might bring or like I said, the stock market might bring. They're more focused on these things than they are what God thinks, what God wants. What, you know, they, they have no thought or care of what God's idea might be. When they asked Peter about this, this tax, he should have said, you know what? I'll get back to you on that. 
And he should have went to Jesus and said, hey, some guys just came and asked me this question. What do you want to do about it? Because I know you've got the answer. I know you've got the answer. And then when he cast his hook into the water, it wouldn't have been out of shame and correction. It would have been in faith. He wouldn't have went down there and went, oh, man, I messed up again. Oh, man. I've let him down. What's he think now? I'm not even worthy to be a servant of God. Look at me. I'm so foolish. Why did I jump out ahead of God? How many of us have been fishing? I mean, I, I've been fishing lately. I know, I know I have fallen on the battlefield. I have fallen on the battlefield. This man that we, that we prayed for last night that had to sit down in his chair when the devil attacked his body. He prayed me through that. He helped me through that. You know, we all... We all succumb to the fear sometimes. None of us are immune to it. None of us are immune to it, but we have something within us that's greater than anything. Greater than anything the devil's got. Brother Brandon preached a sermon, Putting on the Whole Armor of God, in 1962. I'm going to read you a quote here. Forgive me, I'm terrible at reading quotes, but I'm going to try and you know in the warfare between nations, there's a great warfare going on beyond that. You all are aware of that, aren't you? We saw it last night. And that's the warfare between God and Satan, a great warfare. That was the first warfare, and it's still raging. Can I get a witness? Anybody feel the rage of this warfare? But oh, I'm glad it'll soon come to, it'll, it'll soon come to an end. Then it'll all be over, Satan and his agents out everywhere watching, spying out on God's people, God's moves. The enemy is setting everywhere. I honestly don't know of a time in history where this is more evident and, and less hidden than it ever was before. You know, the, the devil is full of audacity and pride, as Brother Donnie's been preaching, and he will just flat out walk right up to your face now. He'll flat out speak right into your ear his lies, knowing even when you know, that you should know better. Watching to see what he can do. And God's got some out too. So we are thankful for that. And each nation equips its army with the best and the latest equipment that it can find. Is that a tape player? Is that a tape player? What equipment are we talking about? The equipment that we fight with is the Word. The sword that we carry is the Word of God. And the Word of God is not preserved in a freezer somewhere. The Word of God is alive and well. And we are to take it in our hand and we are to use it to fight this war. The eagle gathers where the fresh kill is. The eagle gathers where the Word is. The Word for this hour, for this day, for this minute by the grace of God has to come through a ministry that's alive and well. That's why the ministry is in such, under such attack. The ministry of this hour is under huge attack. 
Look, look at it coming against them physically, mentally, every way you can come. The, the devil is coming with everything he's got. He has made the front line of the battle right here in the message. The world knows nothing about it. You look at, at, at the, I'll name some of the big ones. I don't want to leave anybody out. You look like Brother Tim. Look at what he's facing with the fear that's coming down there in Louisiana. Look, look at our brothers who are being wounded on the battlefield by sickness. Look at our own pastor who, who's broken hearted because he is afraid for you. He couldn't care less about his own physical condition. He's worried about how are my sheep going to be this morning. Tell him I love them. Tell him it's going to be okay. You know, and I, I, I know one thing Brother Donnie doesn't want us to be is he does not want us to be fearful of that stinking slimy devil. I did not come out here this morning to bow to him. I came out here this morning to bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my king. That's who I serve. That's the only one I fear and I, I serve him with the fear of love. He is my master. He is my savior. He is my Lord. My Lord. I gladly serve him. I gladly love him. I gladly bow to him. He will not lie to me. He is truth. He is love. And yes, I fear him because I love him. I respect my God. I wish that I could be better at serving him as I know most of you do too. We wish with all of our heart that we could be better than we are. We want to be better than we are. I ask that the Lord bring a spirit upon us this morning that will make us strive to please God instead of pleasing this stinking filthy world out here. And each nation, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of Satan, each nation, both of them, equips its army with the best and the latest equipment that it can find. That's the reason our old equipment becomes obsolete, is because that we find, like Germany, on the radar, and the different things that we pick up from other nations, and something that we invented ourselves. Now, they got a man whirling around in space. They all holler about, you know, we got a man in space. Well, that's nothing. We Christians had one in space for 2,000 years. That's right. They're hollering about that. That's nothing new. That's old to us. We know that all along. So see, see, it's just how far ahead we are. They just don't realize it. See, they just don't get it. They don't know. They don't get it. They're still back there in the 60s. We're, 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 we're beyond the stratosphere. Yes, building great big roads and super things like that and trying to make the earth a better place and so forth. They don't realize that the meek's going to inherit it. So there, there you are. So just, just see, God's got it all figured out for us. That's the only thing we have to do is just hold on to him and just go right on. See, that's all believing. That's all he asked us to do. He will take us right through. Peter walked out there and cast his, cast his line, threw in the hook. Said, oh, why did I forget everything he said so far? 
Why did I do that? In the moment of pressure, I just forgot. Because undoubtedly Satan sectioned him off by himself. Got him off alone where the darkness prevailed all around him. Where he wasn't together with all those other little licks of light, those little, those little lots. And he, he got off by himself. He wasn't, he wasn't with the rest of them. He wasn't there to gain strength from the whole body. He was like a cut off little pinky out there on his own. He can't fight nothing. You've got to be joined to the body. You've got to be together. You've got to be in unity and the fellowship of the Spirit. You've got to be under the truth of the Word and be in godly order. You've got to have everything in its right place. Every person has to be in their called position. Everybody has to be functioning as one body. Everybody, to come against the fear that's going to be so pervasive in this age, we have got to function as one unit. We've got to function as a body. In times of war, you don't listen to a stranger. In times of war, they say loose lips sink ships. It's no time for gossip. It's no time to run anybody down. It's no time to question godly authority. It's no time to question the Word. It's no time to stand and say, well, I don't know. Maybe I could do it this way or maybe I could do that. Why don't we get a little bit of the fear of God in us and say, this is what the Word says, devil. This is what the Word says. You know, Peter, Peter, he looked at it and he was just so confused in his mind because he was off by himself. And here was somebody approaching him talking about taxes. He had the weight of the government on his shoulders. Oh my goodness, what's the government going to do? What's the government going to do? What's God going to do? Who are we asking these questions to? Do, is it, do we so soon forget what we were before God got a hold of us? You know, I don't have to look very far back to see myself in the bottom of a dark, miry pit. I don't have to look very, very far back to see who it was that reached down when nobody else would and took me by the hand and lifted me out. What have I got to fear? What have I got to fear? What virus can stand up to that? What virus can stand up to my God? What attack on my pastor can stand up to that? God will restore him. There is nothing to fear. There is an answer to fear. And it's very quiet. It's very humble. It's something that you can't see. It's something that's so hard to see. God has given us a weapon of warfare to come against fear. He's given us the most powerful weapon you can imagine. You know, when, they, when it came to radar, how could we slip into a country and have a sneak attack and bomb them without us seeing us coming? They could send missiles up and get us. So they developed the technology. In the, you know, several years ago now, it's not that new now, but it was called the stealth bomber. You couldn't pick it up on the radar. It was invisible to the radar. You know, and I think about some little mother, some little grandmother down on her knees by her bed, soaking the sheets with her tears, calling out for the lives and the souls of her family, her grandchildren, her children. And I think of that, and I think, you know, the devil sits back and he laughs. And he tells her, he goes, they're going to be lost. They're not going to make it. You're the only one in your family that believes. You're the only one that really understands. You're the only one that has any revelation. I'm going to get them all. You're not going to have anybody to walk down the streets of heaven with out of your family. They're all going to be lost. They're all going to perish. 
Look at how far I've got them. I've got them on drugs. I've got them addicted to video games and sex and everything else, violence, everything else. They, they don't care anything about it. They're more involved in sports than they are in the Bible, and you know that. You know they're lost, and he's just going on and on, and he's beating you and beating you and beating you and beating you. And that little mother or that grandmother's down there, and she's crying, and she looks so weak, and she looks so worn out, and she looks so beat down. And then all of a sudden, that invisible thing that Satan can't see He looks at her and just like the enemy looks at a blue sky and they see nothing, that stealth bomber's coming. That stealth bomber's coming in, that weapon of warfare that we have down deep in our soul, that portion that God gave us, that faith that rests down in our heart. They can stop anything that the devil's got. It comes forth like a stealth bomber. It comes in and it lays waste to the plans of the enemy. That little grandmother, that little mother, that, that father, that... that that, that, that stands up and, and the devil is laughing and mocking and saying, you've lost control. You don't have a chance. You can't overcome that. You can't beat that. And you look so weak and the devil laughs and he laughs and you stand up in faith. And that invisible thing comes rising up out of your soul. And all of a sudden you see the word and it strikes your heart and you have a revelation and you believe and you say, you're a liar. Amen. Devil, you're a liar. You are a liar. You're a filthy, stinking liar. God has given me creative power down in my soul and I can speak the word. I don't have to cry. I can speak my family. I can say, you take your hands off my son. You take your hands off my daughter. You take your hands off my granddaughter. You do it. You do it now in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, his feelings of superiority and his look of disdain suddenly just drains away like blood out of his face and it's replaced by fear. And the devil stands before a little shaky grandmother with little naughty fingers and she points her finger in his stinking face and says, you get out of here. You are a liar. And he has to go. He has no choice. He has to go. How soon we forget who we are. How soon we forget what God has placed inside of us. Do you realize that if you have a revelation that you were a thought in God's mind before any of this was even here, and do you realize that if you have a revelation of that, then there is a part of God inside of you, resting inside of you, and it's not tore up. It's not shook up. It's not afraid. And if we can fight through the clutter that's going on in our spirit and the warfare that's being waged against us in this world, if we can fight through that and, and blow back the smoke for just a minute and peer into the promise that has been given us, then we can stand back up. We can join the battle again. And we can fight with faith and with love. And we can overcome the enemy on his own battleground. He's not got a chance. He's not got a chance. You know, fear brings about so many things. Let me read from Fellowship by Redemption. You might hear of Jesus by preaching. You might hear your mother say he's wonderful. You might hear a minister say he heals the sick. He might have sent his power forth and healed you. 
But you'll never know what it is until you've sat down once with him in fellowship and your spirits blend together, bearing record with each other. Think about that a minute. Your spirit blending with the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, bearing record of each other. You know him. He knows you. Everything is laid open. And you meet God for the first time for the, in your life. For, you meet him for real. Bearing record with each other that you're sons and daughters of God, then old things pass away. You don't have to worry about the world no more. Amen. For by one offering, He has perfected forever those who have fellowshiped with Him through the blood, the fellowship. Do you believe this? Have you got the gall to believe this this morning? Amen. Or do you want to continue? Do you want to continue down the dark, weak, Miserable road that the devil has laid out of fear. We have all been finding ourselves there more and more lately. When we, when we don't stop and take time to look around and get our bearings, we will find ourselves on that road really quick. We will find ourselves looking so much at this world that we become depressed and run down in our spirits. And we don't realize that it's the voice of the enemy that's running us down. Have we so soon forgotten that we are in a fellowship with God? Those who he turns away are going to be those he did not know. I was talking to the young people about discipleship and I said, you know, there's a turning point where you come to a place where you realize that it's either God or it's not. You make a decision. And when you, when you come to that point and God brings you to that intersection in your life where you look at the word and you say, that's the truth. And you believe it. And you're willing to fear God more than Satan. And you're willing to walk through this world as an alien. As somebody who's different. As somebody who doesn't belong. Somebody who is an oddball. If you're willing to walk through this world and believe God instead of Satan. Then you come to a turning point where you become a real disciple. Not just a follower. When he says drink my blood and eat my flesh. You're like yes. I'll do whatever you say. Even if I don't understand it, I know you're going to provide that too. You'll provide the understanding. So what if I don't understand right now? You're going to provide it. I know that if it's in that word, it's truth. I know that what the devil has to offer is not any good. I mean, we can see that. It's so evident. Why are we so easily fooled? It's because we're not listening to God enough. We're listening to the world too much. We're out of balance. We're out of whack. We're not getting along with God. You know, a little sister called me one time and she was so confused. And she was just so bewildered. Is this right? Is that right? Should I believe this? Should I believe that? She was so back and forth. And her mouth was going 900 miles an hour. I could barely talk. She called me for counseling. I could barely talk to her. I could barely get a word in edge. I said, finally, I said, hey, hush. Stop. Stop talking. Hush. I had to say it like four or five times. Until she finally quieted down. I said, now listen to me. I said, I want you to go somewhere. And I want you to get really, really quiet. Don't say a word. Try not to think about a thing. I, she goes, I can't do that. I said, well, I believe you. I believe you. I said, go out into a field somewhere. And I said, and, and start, start doing it in layers. I said, listen as far off in the distance as you can. Maybe you hear a train miles away going down the tracks and you hear the whistle blowing. And I said, then come in a little closer. Maybe you hear a dog barking a couple of blocks away. Then maybe you hear a bird singing. You just listen. Try to pick out each sound and separate it. And let your mind go quiet. Be still and know that I am God. 
I said, get still for a minute. Get still before God. Open your heart and say, Lord, speak to me. I said, you're so busy listening to the devil and talking to yourself and reasoning within yourself that you cannot hear the voice of God. How in the world can you hear the voice of God when you come in and sit down at a church service to hear the sermon and you start thinking about something else and you start drifting and you don't even pay attention to the preacher? How are you supposed to gain anything from that? If there's one time we should be focused, it's now. She did not listen to me. She went into a tailspin. You want a happy ending? It didn't hear yet. She's still got breath in her, so there's hope. But the happy ending hasn't come yet. I'm believing for it. Her parents are believing for it. But it hasn't come yet. But I want to tell the devil right now it's on its way. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. This is not a pep talk. This is a time of decision. There are young people, there are old people who are caught in the current of this age. They've thrown down their oar, they've quit fighting the fight, and they're drifting along. They're showing up at services, mainly because they don't want anybody to ask why they weren't there. They need to drop the fear, they need to get a hold of prayer, they need to get a hold of the scripture. They need to focus in and they need to get back in the battle. Breaks over. Breaks over, get back in the fight. Shake it off. Wake up. This is no time to be asleep. It's no time to be asleep. And I'll tell you something else. It is not a shame if the events that are happening in the world today have scared you and woke you up and you're trying to turn back to God. If that's what it took, so be it. Whatever it takes, so be it. But wake up. Don't let it pass you by. Don't, don't, don't give in. Don't let it pass you by. You know, without holiness, you'll not see God. Quit compromising on the Word. This is no time for compromise. And the enemy starts with all the propaganda. Starts whispering in your ear, you have got to have a balance of the Word or you won't know the difference between the voice of the enemy and the voice of God. God says repent and I'll throw it into the sea of forgetfulness and I'll not bring it up anymore. I died so that you could do, do that. The enemy keeps bringing it up over and over and over and over again and he wants to beat you down. He wants to beat you down so that you won't have the confidence to walk like a Christian, to act like a Christian, live like a Christian, to smile. To smile. I never knew how effective it was. When I, when I got my job at Woodridge, I've had so many people say, I can't wait for the maintenance man to walk in because he smiles at me more than the staff does. Thank you. 
I've had, I've, you know, I've had people say, and, and this is the truth, and this is not anything to do with Wes Willis, I promise you that. You all know the difference. But I've, had, I've walked in and patients would say, there's Jesus. I never witnessed to him. I never talked to him. Don't tell me that God doesn't have power to manifest himself through human flesh. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't let the devil beat you down and tell you you're less than you are. If you are a child of God, you are an unstoppable force. And if you get on your knees, you can, you can wage war on hell. And, and, and there is nothing the devil can do about it. You'll see him. He'll just bleed out and he'll run away. Like a scared, filthy dog, he will run away. If you'll just hit your knees. If you'll just believe that. Amen. You know, Brother Branham, he, he said the healings and all that stuff would just work up the faith of people so they could believe the word. What does it, what does it take? What do y'all have to see? Are we, aren't, aren't we past that? Shouldn't we be past that? What do you have to see? Take what I'm saying and believe it. Get down on your knees. Honor God. Show Him. Show Him you're serious. Don't say, well, I'm not, you know, it's, I'm not going to start getting down on my knees now just because this virus is coming through. That ain't what I'm saying. I, don't care. I honestly don't care about this virus. I know God's in control. That gives me a faith and an assurance and a settled down spirit. It gets me through the day. It gets me through the day. You know, uh, one time when I was a kid, I went to the lake with uh, a buddy of mine and his family, and they had this, this island thing floating out in the middle of the lake. And you could climb out, swim out there and climb up on it. I wasn't raising the message, so it was a little different. You'll have to bear with me for the example. There was a high dive on this thing. There was a low dive and a high dive. I was about eight years old. And uh, I thought, I'm going out there. I'm going to jump off that high dive. It'd be like Tarzan jumping off of a cliff, you know. <laughs> I thought it was just amazing. It looked so much fun. You know, all these kids were just running up it like ants and jumping off and jumping off and jumping off. Some of them were doing flips and somersaults and all this stuff. And I was just like, wow. So uh, I, was, I was real, I love the water. So I loved swimming. I'd, I swam out there and I climbed up on that ladder. Here's about eight kids behind me on the ladder. I walk out to the end of that high dive. Okay, maybe I don't want to. Oh my. And I could not make myself go off that thing. I walked right up the edge and I, I couldn't do it. I just, there, I could not. It was not in me to do it. Or so I thought. I go back and all those kids had to climb down the ladder. Let me back down. So I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed, but I'm not dead. So I thought, it's okay. It's all right. So, I go, I get my nerve worked up again. All right, I'm going to do it this time. Climb up the ladder, walk out to the end. I thought, maybe if I close my eyes. No, nope. All the kids had to climb back down. I come back down again. I paced around for a minute. Jumped off the side a few times. You know, this far up from the water. Thought, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Go up the ladder one more time. 
got to the end, <sighs> could not do it, just could not. I turned around, I walked back to the ladder, and there's this big kid standing there. <laughs> he goes, you got two choices. You jump off the end of that diving board, or I'm going to punch you right in the nose. I jumped off. <laughs> yeah, brother, it's a type of fear of the Lord. And it's sort of like, what are you more afraid of? The bluff, the maybe, the what if? What are you more afraid of? I mean, really, the devil makes his threats. You go into a panic and you go buy toilet paper. <laughs> Because he makes his threats. I mean, really? I mean, if that makes you feel better. I'd rather buy ice cream. You know? <laughs> I mean, come on. But here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What are we worried about? What are we really worried about? When I dove off that high dive, let me tell you what happened. I suddenly got empowered. I thought, that wasn't so bad. I went flying through the air like Superman. I hit that wire, whoosh. Came back, went deeper than I thought I was going to do. That made me a little nervous. Came back up, went up there. Before the day was over, I was running up that thing over and over and over again. I was jumping off. I was doing flips. I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff, you know? And every time I'd look over at that much bigger, much older boy, he'd just grin at me. <laughs> he'd just grin. He knew what he was doing. Just like God knows what he's doing. Sometimes we need a little push. Sometimes we need a little, you know. Sometimes we need a little push. You know, even if it's at the expense of one of our brothers. God knows who he can trust. We got a pastor we can trust. I would hate to think that he had to take that hard lick last night because our faith isn't where it's supposed to be. I would hate to think that. I would hate to think that he's laying in his bed this morning worrying about us because we might not be where we're supposed to be. Now on a higher note, I certainly don't want God looking at me and being disappointed, saying, haven't I taught you better than this? I have given you the highest level of the word in the entire history of man. I have shown you more revelation. I have brought you more reason to have faith. I have brought you more reason to take hold of the truth of God than ever before in the history of man. I mean, I think of the darkness that came over the land and creeped in like fog over the whole nation of Egypt and just took all the firstborn, except for those with the blood over the doorpost. And I think about the horror of that. I think about that, that, that palatable darkness that was creeping in and all the other plagues that the Israelites stood and witnessed, but they did not touch them because they were God's children. And we are afraid. 
And afraid of what? Exactly. When my ride gets here, I'm saying, Angel, open the door. I'll hop in. Let's go. You know? If that's how it's got to be, let's go. What, 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 have, what have I got to be afraid of? What have I got to fear that the devil has to offer? You think, you think I'm afraid of death? Death's been defeated. Death does not exist for Wes Willis. It does not. And you say, well, Brother Wes, I'm worried about my loved ones. You can't trust God for that either? Do, do, have we forgotten who's in control here? I mean, how quick, I mean, are we, are we like the Israelites, you know, we sit and we shake our head. Oh, I can't believe them. Took them 40 years wandering around. I cannot believe that. All of them died except for, you know, Caleb and Joshua. They're the only ones that, you know, and oh, we just shake our heads. But what about us? How soon do we forget? How powerful our God is. How great our God is. How mighty our God is. How unstoppable and undefeatable our God is. How nothing has ever come against him and won and prevailed. Never. Even when God thought, or even when Satan thought, that is, that he had defeated God at Calvary. All he did was sign his own demise. That's all he did. He just, he just, he just really messed up. Just like he messed up last night. In, uh, in thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. 1961. I love these titles. They all play right into, you know, the Lord, the Lord showed me this last night. I, I had a sermon a few months ago and I was supposed to preach and something came up and I wasn't able to and I just could, I was chomping at the bit to preach this sermon. And uh, it, it just, it just didn't happen. And last night I went home from here when uh, Brother JD asked me if I could speak this morning and I thought that's the one. I'll finally get, I finally, you know, maybe I'll finally get to do it. I'll pray and see what the Lord wants. So I prayed and he said, no. He said, I want, no, I want you to go in this direction. And he put this together last night as I prayed and as I looked into it. And he just led me step by step. And I believe it's of the Lord. And, and you know, even the titles fall into place. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Any seed in here? Is there any seed in here? Well, guess what? His seed is going to possess the gates of the enemy. The gates. He possessed every gate of temptation. Oh, how he did. He was a man. He was a man like you. You are. Like I am. And he had a right to be married. He had a right to have a home. He had a right to the things that we have. He had a right to have clothes. He could have done it. A man, could turn, a, a man that could turn water into wine, that could know where a corn was in a fish's mouth, while he owned the heavens and earth, but yet he abstained from those things. The sweetest words in the Bible when he said, Father, I sanctify myself that I might sanctify them. I would hate to be a person guilty of wasting that. What was he trying to do? Set an example. He was sending 12 men out. He was sending 12 men out with a gospel that would conquer the world. 
And he's, just, he's depending on you and I to do it. If he could sanctify himself like that, why ought we to set aside every failure and every doubt and everything else and sanctify ourselves? For we are the seed of Abraham through him that are more than conquerors through him. Yes. You realize that there may be somebody here this morning who does not know who they are. Because when we know who we are, we're going. Shake yourself for a minute. Think about it. Do you know who you are? Do you know where you've been placed? Do you know how fortunate you are just to hear this word? You know, I, I, I worry with the young people. I, 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 I preach to them constantly about not taking this for granted that they were born in a message church where the truth is being preached, where there's a man of God who stands behind the pulpit and delivers the truth consistently, sermon after sermon after sermon. It's something that we cannot take for granted. I tell them, you know, I've been out there in the world. I've seen the denominational spirits of the world. I've seen the things that go on. I see how they compromise everything when it comes to the Word. The simplest little thing. The simplest little thing. And they will compromise it because of fashion? Seriously? Because of fashion. You want to give up everything that God has laid before you. All the grace, all the mercy, all the revelation, all the truth that has been hidden for all the ages. You want to compromise that over fashion. I mean, what, what is the cost of compromise? Where does it end? Where, do, where does it end? Where does the compromise end? You know, um, I want to close with this. There's uh, something that came to me last night when I was praying. That uh, as we go through this world, it's like the little sister that I was talking about and I was telling her, you've got, you got to just stop and be quiet and be still before God. And, and it's something that, you know, that we have to actually focus on. The Word says that we're to meditate on His Word day and night. And it, yeah. Do we even know what that means? Or are we thinking some Eastern mysticism where people sit cross-legged and hum? You know, I, I mean, seriously, when we, when we meditate on His Word, what does it mean? What are we thinking of? You know, any, any of y'all that have ever run a race or ever run a long distance for any reason whatsoever, you're going to know what I'm talking about. And those of you who don't, just look to Paul's example of running a race and think about it. If out of the gate you've got to run a, let's say, a 10-mile race. No, let's say seven. A seven-mile race. And you're going to run out of the gate, you're just going to bolt off with all of your strength. And you're going to hit it at top speed as hard as you can go. Is that what you're going to do? Okay, of course not. You'd run out of energy. You have to pace yourself. You have to pace yourself and you have to, you have to think about what you're doing. You have to be strategic in what you're doing. If you're not, you'll never make it to the end. You can't run full force. Now, the temptation is there because the competition is here beside of you. The whistle blows, you take off running, and you know you've got seven miles to go. 
and the enemy takes off like a shot. Your competitive spirit looks at that and goes, oh, oh, fear starts to overwhelm you. You say, well, if I don't keep up with him, he's going to win. His pace is so much faster than mine. What am I going to do? I've got, you've got to pace yourself to run your race. Now, the enemy may take off and it might strike that fear in you. Oh, look how far ahead he's getting. Oh my goodness, he's, he's out of sight now. How am I going to catch him? How am I going to win this race? And if he sets the pace for you, you're going to lose because if you try to catch him, you're going to run out of juice and you're not going to make it. You can't let him set the pace for you. You can't. You've got to set the pace. You've got to know. You've got to, you've got to be careful. You've got to be cunning. You've got to think. And we look at the world and we look at the speed of things and we get caught unaware. The devil's trap is there. He has a pace and God has a pace and they are different. And if you don't recognize that, you're going to lose this race. God's, God's got a pace that He wants you to move at. And it's steady, and it's even, and it's constant, and it doesn't change. And it's just like, a, it's just like the sound of an, a train engine. And it doesn't get faster. It just goes on and on. The same pace. Right down the track. You're going straight down the path, not veering to the left or the right. Just like a train. And you're just going straight. Now, the enemy has a pace. And we see it all around us. We see this world flying by. You've got the, you've got the news. You've got people talking. You've got situations. Just all, you name it in your family, everything. You, you know the world you live in. Think about the world you live in. Think about the nervous situations that are coming against you. Think about the sicknesses that are coming against you and your family. Think about the stressors that are coming against you. Think about the fears that are just prevalent, that are coming against you. Think about all the worries and all the things that you've got. Think about the losses that you've experienced with family members who have gone on before us. Think about all these things and how they've affected you. You may have children, you may, you know, and you've got their lives to worry about and what they're going through and what they need. You've got a wife or a husband that you're, you're, you're devoting your time to, you're trying to make everything work and you're juggling so many things and the, the pace is so extreme and it starts wearing on you and wearing on you and wearing on you and you just feel like sometimes you just aren't going to be able to make it another day or you're just going to explode. And you go to bed and you don't even think to pray. You just lay your head down and close your eyes and hope to God that somehow peace will come enough for you to, to, to go to sleep maybe. And then you wake up the next day just as tired as you were when you went to bed. And you crawl out of bed and you go at it again. And, the, and you're trying to run a pace that does not compute with who you really are. And just like I said to that little sister, you're going too fast. You're going too fast. You're not, you're, not, you're not listening to that still, small voice anymore. It's slipped away. It's become, it's become less prevalent. It's become harder to hear because of the noise and the static and the frustration and the tension of this age and all the things that are coming against us. It, it's just gotten so hard to hear that still, small voice. But I'm going to tell you right now, the Lord gave me this, and I know it's the truth. If we can just stop, everybody stop. Take a deep breath in and let it out real easy. Just stop, take a breath, and change your pace. And say, Lord, restore my heartbeat back to what it was 
when it beat with yours. Take the edge off of me, Lord. I give this fear to you. I give this worry to you. I give these concerns to you. All these things that are bothering me, I lay them in your hands. I'm going to tell you right now, when the Lord first got a hold of me, and most of you experienced this, your life was maybe a mess. Maybe people didn't see it, but you knew it. You knew you needed God or you wouldn't have come to Him. He made it, he made it clear to you. He showed you one way or another that you needed to come back to Him or come to Him. And when you did that, you felt a peace. Because you were so focused on God's way and His Word. You were so focused. And you started applying His Word to your life and things started changing. Some of your stresses dropped off. You started to build your faith. You started to see prayers answered. Well, what happened? When did that change? There has been so many changes in the last few years. So many things that have happened. So many attacks on our peace. There is so many attacks on our peace that it get, tries to get us to change into the devil's pace. And we cannot run there. We were not designed for that. We're going we're gonna to maybe be faster than him. Maybe slower. I don't know what the pace, but it's God's pace. And we're going to go with it. And if we follow God and follow the leading of the Spirit, then we're going to leave the devil behind. It may look like he's going so fast, but we're going to catch him. And he's going to be out of breath. He's going to be sweating. He's going to be faltering. He's going to be stumbling. And we're going to just cruise right on by him. We're just going to go right by him. And we're going to see him in our rearview mirror. And we're going to just take off without him. We're going to take off without him. So we need, we need to breathe. We need to take, take a look at it. We need to think about it. And when you feel yourself just ready to crumble ready to explode, ready to give up, ready to throw your hands in the air and say, Lord, why am I even fighting this fight? Do you even know I'm alive? Do you even hear my voice? Or do you even see what I'm going through? Lord, do you even care? Stop. Take a breath. Say, Lord, you know, I'm not going to let the devil tell me one more day that you don't love me. I know you love me. You ever had to correct your child? And there's a bitterness there? Maybe a few days will go by and you'll go to them. Maybe you'll say, you know, do you know I love you? And then it breaks. You say, I don't correct you because I don't love you. Because I'm wanting to be mean. I correct you because I do love you. And I want to see you be successful. That's what God does. He says, wake up. Wake up. Take a breath. What are you doing? Are you, are you running in a hamster wheel or are you, are you walking? What are you, what are you doing here? Look to me. That's what he says. He says, look to me. Start, get your eyes off this shell game that the devil's playing with you. Uh, you know? That's, that's what the Lord wants from us. That, that's all he wants from us. It's God's pace versus Satan's pace. Which one are you focused in on? Which one do you want? Musicians, come. He possessed every gate of temptation. Oh, how he did. He was a man 
He was a man like you are, like I am. Do you know how precious those words are? Those are precious words. That's my God. Satan wants to lay a whip to your back. Just like he did Jesus. He wants to scream out orders at you. He wants to make you frantic, nervous, tired, beat down. He wants to make you feel like you've lost everything. And everybody. He's a liar. He's a liar. We are the greatest army on the earth today. Well, I got, I got a few amens for that. Well, you know, do you know who you are? Look, I didn't get up here to beat my gums this morning. Do you know who you are? We are a mighty army. We are the greatest army on the earth today. And when you take, if we could just all take a hold of our faith, the devil can't see it coming. Just when he thinks you're beat down, you know what I'm talking about. You've done, some of you have done this before. Right when you thought you couldn't take any more. I can't lose any more, Lord. Uh, my, you know, my wife has lost two of her aunts in the last few weeks. And she told me, she said, it's just like we're losing everybody. And I thought, no, we're not. We're not losing everybody. We're not. That's a lie. That's, that's the devil talking. That's the devil talking. We're not losing anybody. We're not losing one. We're not leaving one on the battlefield. We carried Brother Donnie back there last night, and it might have looked so pathetic and so sad. You know, there was probably people who gloated, who probably thought, yeah, there you go. You know, that's what he... Well, you know what? They're going to they're gonna take... They're going to take their, their place in the other side's army. That's who they belong to. You never heard Brother Branham gloat. Even over, even over an agent of Satan, he didn't gloat at their demise. One army, one mind, the mind of Christ, one heart beating at one pace. That's who we are. It's God's pace. That's what we've got to find. Find the pulse of God. Let's stand. Let's bow our heads. Father, you're like a drink of cool water. When we just take a moment to just bow our heads to you, with respect, with love, Lord, with the right kind of fear, the kind of fear that knows that when you speak, we should listen. I, I want that fear, Lord. I want to be eat up with that kind of fear, but the fear of the world, I don't want. Lord, deliver us. Set us free. Help us to unify in the Holy Ghost and nothing else, no other spirit. So many spirits are coming against us, Lord. Spirits of depression and worry and anxiety. And we're hearing these voices of, of these lying devils. And Lord, they're coming against us physically and mentally. They're coming against us in so many ways, Lord. But if we can just take a breath and listen for your voice, it pushes back the darkness of everything Satan's got. 
And when that faith begins to speak through our prayer, Lord, it destroys the camp of the enemy. It runs them out. They flee before we can even get there. They flee. Lord, we, we are concerned about our pastor. We, we want him to be well, Lord. And we know we've got a promise. We don't have to pray for his healing because he's already healed. Amen. We believe that, Lord, because you told us that. And you are the truth. Lord, we believe that you can be believed above any lie that the devil might send. We are not going to stand here today and be nervous and leave here saying, Oh, oh, I wonder, I wonder what's going to happen with Brother Donnie. I wonder, no, no, we don't have to go through that, Lord, because we know that you're in control. No matter what our eyes see, no matter what we, we may feel, no matter what our emotions may tell us or the devil may tell us, you are in control and we bow our knee to you alone. Lord, we love you with all of our heart. I ask you, Father, to give us the strength to see the truth and to believe you. Lord, be with us. Be with our pastor. Be with his family. Lord, settle the nerves of the people and, and help us to understand that faith is greater than fear and that fear is a liar, Lord. I'm so, I'm just so amazed at how you work and the very, the very words my brother sang this morning, Lord, so encouraging to your bride. Look at the way you love us. Look at the way you come down. Your spirit just comes down like a blanket and just overshadows us, just pulls us together like, like little eaglets underneath your wings. Lord, you just draw us up close. Lord, we do fear you, but our love outweighs that fear. You're so great. You're so wonderful. You're so kind to us, Lord. Look at what the devil does to his children. Oh, Lord, he drives them around. He drives them to and fro. He devours them. He fills them with fear. He destroys them. He does everything he can to mock humanity, Lord. And you are there with your open arms, offering salvation and kindness. Thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing. Again, I say, we know you are in control and we will not be afraid. Lord, keep us safe until we can come together again in your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, saints. Let's praise the Lord. Somebody say praise the Lord. Oh, let's sing a little bit, Brother Harry. Whatever you want to sing, we're going to help you. Praise the Lord. You've been good to have been in the house of God. Amen. How great is our God. Sing with me.
is with thee. Do you believe that this morning?
sing this little song just before we get ready to leave this morning. Let it rest in your heart that the words of this song is true. Jesus loves me this I know Thank you Lord for the Bible tells me so Thank you, Lord. He who 
Jesus loves me and he will stay close beside me all the way if I love him when Somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody say praise the Lord. Give him a good hand clap of praise if you love him this morning. Amen. Amen. I tell you what we could do right now if you want to. Just lay your hand on your neighbor. If you will, just lay your hand on your neighbor. Brother Keith, come up here and offer a word of prayer for this congregation this morning if you would. Pray for one another this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. How you came on the scene, Father, with a word of encouragement. After the events that happened, our pastor preaching against not being fearful, and then the attack comes, and then you have a minister come out and give us a sermon about fear, Father. What do we have to fear? We're in your loving arms. Lord, we hear it over and over and over, but like he said, sometimes we, we get in the stream of the other part and forget all about what you've done. We have no fear. But Father, we love you so much. And I know, Lord Jesus, I say it all the time, we're already healed. But Lord, that's just not physically. It's mentally too. You care about our whole being. And Father, we love you. And today we commit ourselves into your hands afresh. And say we're sorry that we have forgotten sometimes just who you are. How great you are. How big you are. How mindful you are. It's us that forget. But you never forget. Father, that never will we be plucked out of your hands. But Father, today, this day, we stand forth and stand up. Maybe we touch like Esther had to go before you. She didn't know what she'd do, but she was going to go before you. And she was going to touch your scepter and make her petitions known. Father, we stand up and say, we're sorry. Forgive us. Now you'll throw it in the sea of forgiveness. We're going to be different people today. We're going to stand up with our heads up. We're going to walk proudly. Because we are the children of the living God. Not a dead God. Not a false God. But a God who cares. A God who lives. A God who understands. Because you became a man. Father, we love you so much. Lord, go with us today. You always do. But let us not forget that you're right there. Somebody said, you know, did you bring the Holy Ghost with you to church? No, you brought me to church. Let's look at it differently. You're the one, not us. We love you so much, Lord. May your name be glorified and touch our pastor. Lord, not just him, the ministry. He said they attacked him. Brother Homer, Brother Ronald Dean. There's many others out there, Lord. 
They're attacking. You cut the head off, the body dies. Father, we love you so much. We commit this day into your hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you glad you come to church? Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. Remember service Wednesday night. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. God bless you. Brother Harry, sing you something while they get ready to leave. We have a heavenly Father above with eyes full of mercy and a heart full of love and He really cares when your head is bowed low consider Full of mercy and a heart.